Hey, good morning, y'all. Did you have a good Thanksgiving, huh? Things go well with family, and of course, you didn't have more than 10, right? Okay. If you did, you're not going to tell out loud here this morning, not in church anyways. We, uh, man, we have a lot to be thankful for. And not just me personally, but as a ministry, but personally, I'm just going to uh, tell you a couple of mine. Number one, I'm really thankful um, we got our whole crew back in our home. Um, got two back from college, and so now uh, with our seven kids, we have nine in our house, and it feels kind of full in there. It feels, but it's, it's really enjoyable. We're just glad to have everyone home. By ourselves, we almost exceed the state limit of how many you can have in your home. You know that? Uh, but it's, it's really fun. You know, I'm really thankful... Um, in our time of uh, COVID, this is our 25th Sunday since we reopened, uh, June 14th, and our 26th service, uh, when you count our night of worship last Sunday night, and, and we've really been fortunate and blessed, and there's no other way to say it except God has been very gracious to us, that we have not had a uh, positive case come from our ministry in that time, and um, that's not a personal bragging thing at all. That's just a, God, thank you. You've been, you've been protecting us. You've been gracious to us, and we're very thankful. Um, so we give credit to him, ultimately, and in addition, um, we'd like to say thank you. We, we do have our cleaners that go through before the service, and then um, the 9 o'clock people are real messy, so they go through and clean up after them and disinfect everything uh, before you folks come in. We're thankful for all of them and their ministry, thankful for conscientious people um, like yourselves and even those online. And some people are not feeling well, and if you're not feeling well, you stay home. That's why we have um, an online ministry. So if you're not feeling well, you have some weird symptoms or something, stay home, stay on the couch, watch online. That's why it's there. But if you're feeling well, come on in. But let's be conscientious of each other, and especially those that may be in a high-risk category. Let's care for them and be considerate, and, and whether with distancing or, or with um, wearing a mask, whatever with those people, let's be thinking about that. And, um, but thank you, church family, really for being flexible, considerate, conscientious, and we're grateful to be where we're at right now. Let's continue to pray for God's care and protection and blessing on us as a ministry. Uh, many people also use our 9 a.m. service, so if it feels a little more spread out here, it's because a few more are trickling into our 9 a.m. service, and uh, we're thankful for that also, to give us all room to be able to spread out and not be on top of each other, so we're grateful for all of that. <clears throat> hey, let's do a couple housekeeping things. Number one, um, <clears throat> our connection cards. Would you, would you grab one in the, in the row in front of you? Or if you're online, good morning to those online. If you would, uh, grab a connection card link and fill that out. Just put your name in there. If there's a prayer item or something we could understand about you or be praying for you with, um, put that in there. That would be great for us to be able to connect with. We really enjoy being proactive on some of the things that you put on there. So please do that if you would. While you're doing that, here's some things for us to note as we're coming up through this time of year. Number one is our manual child ministry. 
Our missions team helps us to stay connected with some of our missionaries. And this is a special ministry. Or if you purchase a star that's back here in the foyer, all the money that comes from that purchase goes to missionaries overseas. And what they do is they purchase Christmas gifts for children, and all of those are an evangelistic tool for them to be able to minister Jesus Christ and the gospel message to those kids. So every star purchased, then we'll put those on our Christmas tree in the foyer. All of that turns into funds for our missionaries to be able to minister the gospel message to people. So be considering thinking about linking up with our Emmanuel's Child Ministry. We've been doing this for many, many, many years. We'd love to be able to, um, to continue to do this in a very uh, beneficial way for those. So be thinking about that. Number two, we love the Deck the Dresser Ministry. And like I mentioned just a couple weeks ago, we had four dressers. They were $700 each. We wanted people to purchase them. So that way we could give them through the Pregnancy Care Center to single moms. Well, they went like that. We're so grateful for you and the generosity of people who wanted to purchase those to be able to present to single moms through the Pregnancy Care Center. Next Sunday, those dressers are going to be in the foyer. There will be magic markers. We want you to sign them and put notes of encouragement or Bible verses. So please be thinking about what you could write a mom's life and a child's life will be encouraged by what you put. So be thinking about that ahead of time. Sign all the dressers. And if you're online, you can participate too. Come on in during the week even, during business hours, and you can uh, sign the dressers as well. There are shopping lists now is what we're going to do to fill those dressers up. And there's already shopping lists out there. And then when the dressers come in, there'll be lists on top of them. Grab those lists, fill them up together. Starting this Friday, we're going to do a devotional together called Rethink Christmas. It's through the Bible app. And collectively, we'll do this as a ministry. If you want to jump on, we're going to be showing this on our website, on Facebook. I'm going to be popping a video out here in relationship. This is a 21-day devotional. And all of us, if you get on this, <clears throat> we'll all be able to see each other's comments. Don't think that that's a scary thing. It's a really encouraging thing for others to be able to see that others are on the same devotional together. It starts this Friday, so be looking for that. Jump on it, and we'll do it the 21 days leading up through Christmas Eve. Rethink Christmas. And then lastly, it's what we're going to do right now. Our new series, our Christmas series, called Expectations Exceeding Your Reality. So grab your copy of the scriptures and turn to Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Luke 2, 1 through 11. You know, life doesn't always go according to plan. I think we all know that by now, huh? Probably some of you are like, Pastor, yeah, wow, what great words of wisdom you have today. We all know it doesn't go according to plan. Maybe this year your job plans got blown up. Or your educational plans, or your travel plans, or your holiday plans. For some of you students, your school plans change completely, or your sports plans, whatever it is, things don't go according to our plans. 
We used to plan so far out. You remember that? Remember those days? Man, we could plan, here's what we're going to do next year for Christmas. You know, this is what we're going to do next year for Thanksgiving. I, I know how next year's deer season's going to go. We used to plan things so far out, and now it's kind of like we, we really have no idea exactly how things are going to go. So why even bother to plan that far out? 2020 just hasn't gone as planned. I saw two good memes that sum up today's 2020 world, and I think they fit it pretty well. The first one is the Monopoly Lockdown Edition. This one's really good. It's, you just go through go, and then you either go to jail or you take a chance. It's basically all it is. You know, that's what it seems like in today's world. I, this one, you know, it wouldn't have meant a thing last year. It would not have meant a thing last year, but this next one just means something now. And it's um, me driving home from the store with a turkey that serves 12. <laughs> you know, it, it would have meant nothing last year. But now we look at it like it, it's so crazy to think how plans have changed and expectations have changed in our world. And COVID or not, life seldom goes as planned. But you know, I'm here to tell you today about a couple. You know, if your life isn't going according to plan, <clears throat> I'm here to tell you today about a couple whose life did not go according to plan. Now, just think of Mary and Joseph. I mean, many of us in this room have gone through engagement or marriage, and, you know, you have your expectations of what you're thinking about when, um, when all of these things come to be. And so, you know, for Mary and Joseph, you know, Mary didn't come up with this plan. You know, God, this was born in the heart of God. And God came to Mary and said, Mary, you are my chosen one in whom I'm going to have bear the Messiah. This younger teenage girl in a pre-marriage state, knowing what will be coming, this, this was not in her plan. And then Joseph, this was not in Joseph's plan. Just think about this. It was so not in his plan. And when he first heard the word that Mary was pregnant, and he knew it wasn't his kid, you know what his plan was? I'm, I'm going to divorce her quietly. Remember that? It's time for me to exit this situation. It's time for me to be out of the relationship. And then not only that, and then the angel finally comes to him and says, hey, it's okay, Joseph. You know, you can marry her. You can, you can take her. This, this child is from the Lord. And so then they do. They come together. They're married. But then, you know, you have all these expectations post-marriage and the honeymoon and all this other stuff. And the Bible says straight up, and it tells us the details of their life that, you know, even when they got married, their honeymoon plans went out the window because the Bible says that they didn't have any sexual relationship until after the child was born. So all of their expectations, all of their thoughts were, you know, here's how our life and family are going to go. Here's how all of it's going to be. And, you know, all of it just whoosh, completely changed. And so, you know, if, if we're here in this room or you're online and we're thinking about it today, what is 
our life doing? How are our plans going? And if it's all in upheaval, you know what? You're not alone because the people we're dealing with and talking about today, they went through this as well. And so that's where we land today in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. So let's look at the text. And this should ring a bell, especially if you have uh, seen uh, Christmas peanuts. You know, this is the famous passage from the scripture that they read through. So look at it with me, would you? Starting in verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This is the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And today in the house of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this is a sign to you, you'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, I want to tell you, here's the real nugget. This is, this is the emphasis that we understand from this text as we walk away here today. Although your plans may shatter, although your plans adjust, we need to grasp what Mary and Joseph experienced and realize this. So hopefully you're focused in and dialed in. Realize this, it is his mission. It is God's mission. Not others' motives. Not my comfort. It's God's mission that matters. And I'm sure you're wondering, how is all this going to piece together? You're going to see. It's his mission that matters. Not others' motives. Not my comfort. So let's just dial right into the text here. What was going on? What was going on for them back in this day? So let me just give you a little bit of background to the text. If you notice, the very first names dropped in verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus. Now you realize the whole account here is taking place in Israel. We're learning names of towns like Bethlehem and Judea, and you're hearing things like that. And then all of a sudden they name drop and they say in those days, Caesar Augustus. Well, you know what? Caesar Augustus is not a Jewish name. I hope you realize that. This is a Roman name. So where are they coming in with all of this? So there is this whole region that they are in is governed and ruled by Rome. Rome has stretched out its rule over the entire area, and essentially how they did this, 
They had local ally kings or governors that would oversee various areas within the Roman Middle Eastern Empire. So all of Israel was under the grasp and the ruling thumb of Rome with local governors that, that were there as allies to Rome. And these local kings, basically their responsibility was twofold. Their local king, the local kings were there to give order. Hey, let's keep things down. Let's keep the peace. So they maintained order. And then number two, they collected taxes. Let's get money. And then let's send it over to Rome, and then let's keep a little bit for ourselves. So this was the whole climate and theme, essentially, of the role and the rule of Rome in that day. So what was going on right off the bat in chapter 2, verse 1? And it was this. What was not going according to their plan was, number one, the go-back-home order. The go-back-home order. It's kind of like the stay-at-home order. Sorry about that, folks. I just had to go there today. It's kind of like instead of the stay-at-home order, the go-back-home order, and here's what they had to do. So Caesar said, you know what? Let's take account of everybody. And this was not just for numerical satisfaction. Let's take account and let's see who's there. And let's make sure that we're getting a good amount of money from everyone in taxes to be able to come back to the government. And this was just another manifestation of the oppression experienced by the Jews from the Roman Empire. Now, I can tell you, folks, and I know that we're beginning to experience and feel a little bit of it in our culture. This was a politically painful thing for the Jewish people. They detested Rome. They wanted them lifted from them. This is why, this is why the Messiah was so big. God send a Messiah to come and get Rome off our backs. Like, give us some political rescue, please. Deliver us from Rome. Take the oppression, take the taxation, take the rule, take all of it away from us. We need some relief. We want what we used to have as Israel. This is what, we want what we used to have. This was their cry. Now, how ironic that the birth of Jesus, the first Christmas, was surrounded by this atmosphere of a governmental oppression and individuals who felt that they wanted some political rescue in their day God, can you just give us relief from our politicians and bring it back to what it was? And how ironic that 2,020 Christmases later, here we are, feeling in our world 
that maybe this whole government thing is just getting a bit too much and onerous and that we may want a political rescue as well. So this was all in the situation and scenery of their day. This is not according to their plan. The taxation, the go-back-home order, all of that was completely out of their scene. It was out of the periphery. And Caesar Augustus says, come on, you're going down there. You're going to be taxed a little bit more. I want to take account, and that's how it's going to go. Continued oppression. Here's the second thing that happened. It was the personal hardships. The personal hardships. So so follow this, would you? Starting in verse 4, it mentions, and we could read it in 10 seconds, what took 10 days. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth into Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. It sounds simple, doesn't it? Sounds really simple. Well, here's the deal. The trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem was about 90 miles on a donkey. Okay, ladies who have been with child, 90 miles on a donkey in your ninth month of pregnancy. And for people in antiquity, it was probably about 20 miles a day in a hearty travel. Most likely, if you're in your ninth month of pregnancy, you're not a hearty traveler. So this could have been closer to 10 miles a day with the Sabbath day of rest. Like I said, this is probably a 10-day journey. I just want to show you the map of kind of what they were looking at back in their day. So in the northern area in Israel was Nazareth. And you would think, why didn't they just do a straight line oftentimes to Jerusalem? Well, probably the best travel route was for them to drop down west toward the Jordan River in the lowlands, the flatlands. It was a lot nicer for travel. And so you'd see that they would do that and get off the mountainous area. And then eventually they would have to come back and go up the hills, up the mountains to Jerusalem. If you remember the psalmist who would say, I lift up my eyes unto the hills, speaking when he would look toward Jerusalem, because he was looking up the mountain range. And so when they would come from the Jordan River, they were looking up that mountain range as they were traveling to Jerusalem, and then they would take a turn and go south to Bethlehem. That was their 90-mile route that they had to take probably the biggest dangers. Sure, there were lions and bears that we would even note from David's adventures back in the book of First and Second Samuel. Probably the biggest dangers would be vandals and thieves, but consider this. They got there, and then not only was there that whole trip, but then they had to find lodging. Now, Do you have a manger scene set up at home? Will you set one up here for Christmas? I don't want to 
I don't want to blow away your manger scene. And some, some have. I remember growing up, we had this beautiful like barn, and there were cows and sheep and horses and you name it, all kinds of stuff. It was just a beautiful thing. And then there was the baby Jesus that was set in there. Most likely not biblically accurate. Basically, probably what was going on here, Mary and Joseph showed up to this one place. There was no rooms for lodging. Most likely what they were dealing with was a hewn-out cave area. And when people came that were traveling, they would have their donkey with them. <clears throat> they would get a room in the house, and that was like their garage. Well, let's put the donkey in there, in the cave. It's basically like their garage. Let's put the donkey in there. And so for Mary and Joseph, they came with their donkey, and that's where their donkey went. But instead of just their donkey, that's where they went too. That's the only thing that was left. Probably the rainy season, probably around 40 degrees. <clears throat> and they got out of, the, out of the weather. They went in there. She went into labor, and then she delivered. And I know some of us now are kind of immune to the intensity of this. If we were Mary and Joseph telling this story, this would be just so riveting, be so shocking. I can't believe that you went through that, and here we all sit here like it's just every day, like it's no big deal. Expectations. <clears throat> Expectations are a strong belief that something will happen or will be the case in the future. A strong belief, you know, this is going to happen. Or this is what it's going to be in the future. I think about this. You are living today in the time of what your expectations were a year ago. Is this living up to your expectations? I want us to think about this. They went through the, the go-home order. They went through the physical issues. And now here they are in Bethlehem. And they teach us some huge lessons about expectations and even for us and how we deal with them in our day. And here's, here's the three things, folks. These are things we need to grab. We need to take home with us. And, and these Three things we must consider that drive us to our main theme. And here's what they are. Number one, think about this, grasp it. Our plan may not happen. His plan always will. Our plan may not happen. His plan always will. Just consider this. Guess what? Rome was still ruling. They still had to pay taxes. They were still oppressed. Their birthing accommodations did not change. They went through all of that. Their plans and expectations did not happen. But his plan did, and I'm sure some of us are saying, okay, well, what was his plan? Why were they down there in Bethlehem? Why couldn't they just have stayed in Nazareth 
at the home they were there and had the baby up there and it wouldn't have been any big deal. And I'm here to tell you, this is exactly why God did this. Because 750 years prior, 750 years prior, God spoke through the prophet Micah in Micah 5.2. Look at this verse. Micah 5.2, here's what God said in a prophecy. He said, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. So here's the dynamic thing about all of this that we just can't overlook. <clears throat> Their expectations completely changed. Like here they were doing just fine in Nazareth, and you know, the king steps in. Caesar Augustus says, hey, time for the census. You need to go down to Bethlehem. And whoop, off they go. They didn't have a choice in it. And everything changed for them. And although all of their expectations were adjusted, all of their plans were changed. Guess what? God's plans never changed because his plan from ages past and prophesied 750 years ago is, you know what? This is what I'm doing. The Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And he made it happen. There was more on the line than the taxes. There was more on the line than Caesar Augustus. There was more on the line than just Mary and Joseph. What was on the line was God's character and his rule. And I'm here to tell you, folks, in our world of change, God directs his people, even through uncomfortable situations, he directs the plans of our world. And believe it or not, he even directs the plans and decisions of pagan rulers. You need to hear this next passage. This is the testimony of Nebuchadnezzar. And here's what Nebuchadnezzar had to say about God in Daniel 4. He said, at the time, <clears throat> I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven. <clears throat> my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. These are huge words. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. Now, here's the big thing. Look at these words. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? Folks, God does what he wants. His plan will happen. Even if yours doesn't. Look at Proverbs 21.1. In the Lord's hand, the king's heart is a stream of water that he channels toward all who pleases him. Well, that must mean a Christian king. No. God channels the hearts of all kings. Christian, pagan. God's in control of everyone. I mean, God's got everything on the line, his character, his word, his plan, and 
And I'm just going to be open with you. Sometimes I have and we treat God like if my plan doesn't work out, God's in trouble. You ever think that way? Like if my guy doesn't get elected, oh, what's God going to do? Now I had to, I'm just going to tell you this one. Um, At the beginning of COVID and all the way up through, churches have had been granted by the state of Michigan a a penalty exemption that we can assemble and not fear penalty of law. So, and I love the way that it it states this. You You gotta grasp this. It says, those who assemble, meaning you all, Um, In assembling, you will not have a penalty of law. Um, Those who assemble everyone together in the church are exempt from penalty of law. And then I love this last one, and it says, and then the owner of the church is exempt from penalty of law. (laughs) And I'm sure God's in heaven like, oh, that was a close one. What would he have done if they were going to penalize him? Folks, I know it's hard when our plans don't come together. But let's not confuse that with God's plans not coming together. Are you with me on this one? Hey, maybe get an amen or something just from one of you. Don't scare me too much. Okay. We don't need to succeed for God to succeed. Even though they have bad intentions and bad motives, God's got it all figured out. I got to keep moving on a couple of these things. But the first thing we learn from Mary and Joseph's trek is our plan may not happen. Our plan may not happen. His plan always will. And they were in Bethlehem on purpose. And his purpose was his fulfilled prophecy because his word always comes true. Here's the second thing. This rocks. You got to hear this one. It's his mission that matters most. It's his mission that matters most. I love the fact that Mary and Joseph stayed on mission no matter what came along their radar. And you know their mission, their mission they delivered, their whole mission was deliver the Messiah to the world. What an awesome mission. And they stayed on mission no matter what, no matter what the government said no matter the inconveniences of life. They just kept kept moving through. Remember the, um, I don't know how they they do it now. My, My wife and I have been out of the birthing thing for a number of years now. And we're okay with that, by the way. We just want you all to know that. Um... Back when we were early into this, we were in a birthing class. They still have birthing classes? Okay, yes, okay. And, uh, and I remember they wanted us to make a birthing plan. They still do that? Maybe not, okay. 
We're moving along. So anyways, we had to make a birthing plan. So all the women in there were making birthing plans. Like, you know, I want soft music playing. <clears throat> I want no medication. They write that down. I want my husband gazing into my eyes. I want him to feed me grapes. You know, they just put all these things down there. And then the interesting thing is like when they end up giving birth, how it all changes. You know, it's like turn the music off. You know, give me medication and get this guy out of my face. You know, like it all changes at that moment. You know, our plans adjust at the moment. I love for Mary and Joseph the reality that um, no matter what the plan was, the mission is what mattered most. And they were locked in. They were locked into the mission. They were not locked into a plan. It wasn't like, you know, it's got to happen this way. I mean, we're delivering the Messiah. It's got to be in this nice posh situation. This is the Messiah. Like, I'm not going to go in some cave and deliver the Messiah. You know. Sometimes we get locked into how we do it rather than the mission that God has to have happen. And I've had to think about this through our whole COVID time, like everything has changed. Sometimes it's like, how, like we can't do that program. Well, how's anyone ever going to come to Christ now? They took our program away, we, you know. Remember growing up, there's no Wednesday night prayer meeting. How can we pray? Like, well, there's another 167 hours in the week. It's there's no Thursday night visitation. How can we ever lead anyone to the Lord? Well, there's Friday through Wednesday. I mean, you know, I, there's a mission that happens even though how we plan to do it may change. And Joseph and Mary were locked into the mission even though the plan adjusted. And I know that this is something that needs to settle in my heart and with us too. Our program may change. I can't do my ministry. Can't serve the Lord anymore if I can't do my ministry. Oh yeah, you can. Your mission can stay solid even though how you did it may change. What's your mission? I'm not going to ask what's your program. I'm not going to ask what do you like to do. I'm not going to ask what do you want done. What's the mission of God? And we need to flex. No matter what comes our way, to stay true with the mission of God because it's his mission that matters most. It's the mission that matters most. Here's the third thing. I love this one. This, this is where it's at. 
With Mary and Joseph, um, you know, they taught us our plan may not happen. His plan always will. It's his mission that matters most. And then they showed us it's all about him, not me. It's all about him, not me. I love what the angel said to the shepherds in verse 11. It says, today in the town of David, a savior has been born. He didn't say a baby. Lots of babies are born. But your rescuer, you know, the one, man. This is the one you've been waiting for. This is the one who would pull us away from our path of destruction. Like The Savior has been born in Bethlehem. And for Mary and Joseph, it was all about him and not about them. He was the rescuer of the world. He would die as the perfect sacrificial substitute to bear their penalty for our sin. And their job wasn't to be the rescuer. Their job wasn't to attract people to themselves. Their job was to give the world a savior. And that they did. Here you go, world. Here's your Redeemer. Here's your Savior. And I don't know where you're at, friend, or even online, but this is why Jesus was born, was to rescue us. And, And if you're looking for any other way for acceptance with God or for forgiveness or somehow to relieve your guilt... It can't be found any other way except by Jesus Christ. Except by him dying as the substitute for us when he died on the cross. He bore the penalty for our sin. And so, friend, here's where it's at. It's about him. That's where our hope is. That's where our trust must be. And if you've never placed your saving faith in Jesus, that needs to happen today. Today. Whether you're in the building, whether you're online, that needs to happen today. And what you need to do is just come to terms with God personally and say, God, I know that I am far from you. I've wronged you. I've sinned. And I need to be made right. I need to be forgiven. And Jesus died on the cross to be my forgiver and to be my leader. God, I claim your forgiveness by his death and I yield my life to you, my Lord. That needs to be your prayer from your heart to him because it's all about him and not us. And for those who have trusted Jesus, it's no different for us as it was with Joseph and Mary. 
<clears throat> sometimes we do goof things up and think it is about us or it is about my convenience or my plan or my idea or my program or my preference and and it, it is all about him. It's not about me. Our job is just to deliver Jesus to the world that needs him. He's the one that rescues them. How many of you <clears throat> still do, um, <clears throat> excuse me, how many of you still do a real tree? Oh, good, all two of you. That's great. That's, well, you just ruined my illustration. Thank you. Um, well, when I was growing up, um, we, did, we did real trees every year. We'd go out in the lot and cut them down and drag them back home and put them up and pull out our box of decorations and around with the lights and tinsel and, and all the balls. And, and then up on top would be the star, or in our case now, the Tasmanian devil. It's a long story. But um, that tree held up all of the items of beauty and value. And then Christmas is done, take it all down, put it all in a box, put it away for next year. But the tree, its purpose was served. Remember, we would take it and drag it out to the woods. And it was done. That was it. And I think of that being the way that Joseph and Mary and other followers of Jesus, how we see ourselves. We step on the scene and we're here to elevate and lift up the things of greatest value for all the world to see. It's Jesus. It's not about us. It's about him. He's the light. He's the star. It's his rescue. It's his gospel. It's his word. It's his forgiveness. And we lift up the thing of greatest value And one day we step off the scene because it's not about us. It's always about him. No matter what changes, friend, no matter what changes, no matter what government we have, no matter what inconvenience we bear, no matter what preference is adjusted, no matter what programs change, it's his mission. It's his mission that matters. It's not others' motives. Well, they're not doing it for the right reason. It, they're taxing it wrong or the government's wrong. I, I understand. It's not their motives. It's not my comfort. It's his mission that matters. You with me on that? Yeah. Would you stand with me? Father, as one voice, we elevate. It's about Jesus. And God, the expectations that we have 
although they change. Help us to stay on mission. Help us to elevate Jesus. God, help us to understand that even though our plans don't happen, you are always, always working. Even when it doesn't seem like it, even when we don't see it, you're always working. God, may we be good elevators, people who bear the Savior to the world, no matter what conditions are around us. Use us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. So true. Have a great afternoon and evening. God bless you. Look for us on the Bible app. You'll be seeing it online. We'll connect together on Friday with that. Take care.